Hi, this is exact change, just the right amount of overthinking with your hosts, Roberto and Claire. Hey, what's up? Um, not what's on the docket? A whole lot. <laughs> We've got, we're gonna talk about um, another place to donate to, and then we're gonna share what's been on our summer playlists of late and then we are just gonna fangirl a little bit about Otessa Moshveg and Otessa's new book um we decided we we're not we're not gonna waste Otessa's time right now with asking her to be on on our slutty little pod, but maybe someday, maybe someday. I think she'd have fun. I think she'd have fun too. Yeah, we'd we'd treat her right. It's true. We'd all sip cocktails. Actually, she doesn't drink anymore. That's, I mean, that's one of the things I want to talk about, but we'll save that. But yeah, she's sober. Oh, whoa, I didn't um, actually know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this week we suggest donating to um, It's Hot on Rikers, which would, um, every donation helps to provide clothes for, um, inmates on Rikers um, during this really terrible heat. I don't know, it's it's really bad. It's really bad out there right now. So yeah. the link will be posted in the show notes. Yeah, having some clean socks, clean underwear. We Tank all- Tank tops. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can donate there. And then we're also just reminding you all this week to donate, if you can, to your local bail funds. Um, yeah. So what have you been listening to? Let's see. So, um, it's been really all over the place. Um, last night, for some reason, I got really into Depeche Mode. <laughs> Not all their songs, um, but you know that song, Enjoy the Silence? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been, I listened to that on repeat. Um, Do you listen to music when you're writing? Not always, but sometimes. Um, Sometimes I feel that it's really distracting, not just the music, but down to, for instance, if I'm wearing headphones, I just feel really distracted by the, uh, like the, what's it called? The ear pads, the ear thing inside my ear. Like that gets really annoying to me. Um, so usually I prefer silence and, um, my ear is free. In a cafe though, like I, I, I will sometimes write with music. Um, when I was working, I started working on a draft for a second novel in January and there was a lot of music involved in that. So I'd listen to like a lot of the music that I was writing about. 
Um, and it was all like piano stuff. It was like Schubert and stuff. So um, that was more writable too. That was more conducive to my process, but otherwise I get overwhelmed. What about you? Do you listen to music and write? Um, I guess it depends a lot. Sometimes I'll listen to like a soundtrack. Um, oh, like what? Like I was writing a lot to the soundtrack of um, Uncut Gems. <laughs> <laughs> which was like, How? I, well, there's like the, there's all the songs on the soundtrack, which actually kind of prompted by that. I was, I've just been listening a lot to the weekend's album trilogy i feel oh like yeah that i part. love the weekend honestly I like do too. like sh- come after me but i i fuck with the weekend um yeah trilogy is a really good album i remember when you first came out in college and he was like all of the a lot of boys i knew were like who were who claimed to be into music and like producing or whatever or really into him yeah um he has some really good songs with lana del rey (laughs) oh my god that's true i've like mostly been listening to trilogy but i forgot about that yeah i mean i'll admit i listen i listen to some lana I've been listening to a lot of old Lana recently, like Born to Die album. Oh, wow. Um, Off to the Races is such a good song. Um, I love National Anthem. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, not on my, that's not on my playlist, though. I'm just, what else is I'm on your saying. playlist? Um, do you know the song um, Anna by Los Psychos? They're no, like I a don't. Peruvian garage rock band. You may like recognize the song if you heard it, but it was I was obsessed with this song in college and I've just been listening to it over and over. It's like it's very it's like a sweet um, you know, just like garage rock sand song. Garage rock song that's uh dedicated to this to the the object of the musician's desire, whose name is Anna. <laughs> Anna, oh my gosh. That sounds good. Yeah, what else is on yours? Um, mine is like a little all over the place. I feel like I mostly was thinking about things that I listened to on my drive. And uh-huh. um I listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen and Whitney Houston because I have a cassette deck in my truck and I have both of those cassettes. Um so there's a lot of that going on. And then, as we talked about last time, like a lot of Mazzy Star and also mm. a lot of Earth Eater. Mm. Sometimes I can write to Earth Eater, but it's. I still like, haven't listened to Earth Eater. Get it together. What are you doing? What doing? is the vibe? What's the vibe? Uh, it's kind of like doomy, sexy. Oh, shit. I think electro. I like that. Like the oh, playlist I love that. that you made recently yeah. Yeah. needs a little Earth Eater. I'll send you some. Her yeah. single Below the Clavicle that just came out is. Wait, I'll look. I'll, I have my Spotify open right now. I'll look at them. 
you yeah, should I think follow her on Instagram because she has a very juicy presence. Okay. Okay, I'm queuing this for when this is for when we're finished with this. Um, yeah, I've been listening also to like a lot of Chromatics. Um, they have this cover of Girls Just Wanna Have Fun that uh, I listened to last night as I spaced out. Oh my gosh, they have some <laughs> really good covers. I know, their cover of Running Up That Hill is better than the Kate Bush I know. I have to say. Oh! It's, so, it's so good and like beautiful in its own way. They also cover they're, I'm on they're fire. They're very Oh, th- I know, it's so good. It destroys. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh, I dated someone I... who played that song for me and it really... Like the original? That's yeah. Bruce Springsteen, right? Yeah. It really stuck with me. <laughs> um, out of friends going away recently, we played that song and like just felt really all the emotions. <laughs> um, Wait, you were spacing out last night, but were you writing last night? Yeah, I was writing. I spaced out kind of like towards the end of my when I when it when my writing finally slowed down. Um and I just have been doing lots of staring off and not thinking. <laughs> oh my gosh, congratulations. Um I think that's my new comfort state like I think because um, I think I'm crawling out of the sort of depression that requires um, 14 hours of sleep or where I choose to sleep for 14 hours in order to avoid existing um, and replacing the sleep, the sleeping hours with just like spacing off time. It's like, it's not even, it's almost like meditation, but it isn't really, <laughs> usually I'm just stoned and like, I don't know, looking around my room. Actually, yesterday I was like staring into a particular corner of my room where I was trying to decide if I was going to move a piece of furniture around and out of it or whether I would keep it. Um the my preoccupations have been very trivial lately (laughs) that sounds nice though it sounds like soothing it's like in between sleeping and waking state yeah i often spend a long time in bed after i wake up just kind of staring at the corners of the room i'm in and (laughs) like thinking about getting out of bed and I used to give myself a really hard time for that, but now I'm just like, oh, that's actually one of the most peaceful parts of the day. Yeah. I mean, speaking of sleeping and sleeping all day, Otessa Moshfeg's character, narrator in My Year of Russian Relaxation, is a woman who decides to spend a year sleeping. Um, with the, uh, the help the, of a lot, <laughs> with a lot of um, drugs, <laughs> a lot of drugs, um, and which are prescribed to her by this crazy psychologist named Dr. Tuttle, 
who's probably one of the best characters in in any book I've read ever. Um, what does she call her cat again? She like calls her cat my old my eldest, or she refers oh to one of her cats as her eldest. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Was that the first book you read by her? Or had you read her other stuff before? That was the first book of her I read. And then yeah. um, I still haven't read all of her, all of her books, but, and I haven't read her new book yet. I'm late, I'm late on that, but I just finished. It just came out. Yeah. Yeah. I just finished her collection of short stories and it really got me. I'm, I'm, uh, I, one second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just stopped recording for a second because I'm in a weird mood and I don't know what is going on. So <laughs> back to Otessa. Uh, Wait, can I just make a really quick comment? Yeah. <laughs> That's unrelated. <laughs> is I was just, I, I was listening to last week's episode and I was I don't know if this is distracting for listeners or maybe it's something. Like, if we had a Reddit page, it'd be something they would write about. But, like, my drink, when I drink something, it's so loud. Like, it's, I think there's it's definitely nice, like, ASMR. ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, like, you can hear, like, cool liquid going down your throat. But My I think headphones pick up too much sound. Yeah, they know so too annoying. much. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. I think it the drinking sounds have to stay. <laughs> Maybe that's why people listen. I'd rather not edit them out. <laughs> yeah, no. no or every time I cough and no, and people don't know that I'm actually like inhaled too much jewel smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah. back to back our, to Tessa. Our uh, subject. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I was, like, reading a bunch of profiles of her earlier, and I feel like, like, I admire her writing so much, and I haven't even read it all, but I also, like, equally admire her persona oh, yeah. and her ego and, like, her seriousness, and I was, like feeling really affected by all of the things that I was reading about her and about like did you did you record any good like quotes from her um there was one from the source (laughs) in the there was one Atlantic article that was kind of like about writing through depression where she was talking some about like eating disorders and control and like authorship as this kind of form of control that was in her life before she was writing but then once she started writing it like gave a productive home to like this need to have control of something in in the world and um, yeah at one point in that article there was um she says some characters in my work are willing to be changed some won't be they'll be shown the door and they'll be like 
I don't like the look of that door. I acknowledge <laughs> it, but I'm not opening it. That's my life sometimes too. I can't take every opportunity for growth. It's too exhausting. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's a really clear way of putting that. It's too exhausting yeah. to take every opportunity for growth. And so sometimes you don't. And sometimes you fuck up so bad. And I think that's why her characters feel so real is because they're like, they are not necessarily uh, learning from their mistakes. No. They're a mess. In fact, they're like, in fact, they're... Um... I mean, as she said, they're, like, looking at the door and then walking in the opposite direction or just, like, doing the their usual thing. Like, in that story, in the first story in um, that collection, Bettering Myself, like, it doesn't end, like, she doesn't actually, it's not, she doesn't really better herself. <laughs> um, it's, like, a bit this, um, this alcoholic woman who works at a, um, a private Catholic school and she'll like spend lunches puking and <laughs> like l sleeping in the fetal position on a blanket that she puts on the floor <laughs> yeah. or some like that she like keeps in the supply closet right 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 yeah <laughs> oh my gosh What's your favorite, what are your favorite stories in her collection? Um, I really love this story called um, No Place for Good People, which is about a, this um, older guy who works at, um, who starts working at a residential facility with, for adults with um, developmental disabilities um, when his wife dies and um, yeah, there are lots of quotables. I mean, I, she uses the word, or the character uses the word, like, retarded really frequently <laughs> to, to re refer to the inmates. Um, he says, you can call them retarded. That word doesn't offend me as long as it's used a proper way, without pity. <laughs> um, but the whole, the crux of the story is, like, he befriends these, um, these guys and uh who like live in the facility and they become like fixated on the notion of going to hooters um and he has like some reservations about the whole thing but eventually he's like fine i'll just like take you assholes to hooters um and by the time they get to hooters it's like changed um into a friendlies <laughs> <laughs> um the other story i really love i mean i really love all the stories um obviously but i really love um the last story in the collection called a better place mm -hmm. which is this sort of um fable like story um that seems to take place maybe somewhere in eastern europe based on the names um of the characters but um it's basically about this girl who has a terrible relationship with her mother, but a good relationship with her, her brother. Um, and she's convinced that um, she doesn't belong on earth and that um, she keeps talking about the notion of a, 
of a better place um, and having been there before and having this realization that the only way that she can get to that better place is by killing someone. Um, the beginning goes, uh, I come from some other place. It's not like a real place on earth or something I could point to on a map. If I even had a map of this other place, which I don't. There's no map because the place isn't a place like something to be near or in or at. It's not somewhere or anywhere, but it's not nowhere either. There is no where about it. I don't know what it is, but it certainly isn't this place here on earth with all you silly people. I wish I knew what it was, not because I think it would be great to tell you about it. I just miss it so much. If I knew what it was, maybe I could maybe maybe I could make something like it here on earth. Waldemar says it's impossible. The only way to get there is to go. That story really affected me too. I was like, I'm always aware of like the order of short story collections. And when I started that one, I just knew it was the last story in the book. And it felt mm -hmm. like the last story, like in a whole world. And yeah. I don't know. Well, it's it, like, it's also just completely different from all the other stories, which are yeah. a little bit, which seem to take place in like the, I don't know, like the so-called real world, but um, right, and then kind even of if like there's something like dark or twisted about them, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like one story that's set in China, the Mr. Wu story. Yeah. Um, which is about this guy who becomes obsessed with a woman who works at this arcade store or at this arcade. I think is it the is it an arcade? I think yeah. it's an arcade. Yeah, it is. Or it's yeah, like it's like a, a video game. Cafe. Yeah, it's an arcade. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's so much projection in that story, and also in the weirdos, there's like a lot of people who want to, who either are like projecting on themselves or on other people, right. or uh, having dreams that like other people can tell will never be realized, but right. They That's a story know. about the girl who goes great lengths to like break up with this guy, right? Yeah, she's <laughs> she, like, like an aspiring actor. <laughs> there are lots of aspiring actors in these stories, and I totally. I, for, I don't know if you have read this particular. There's a particular interview where she talks about like. Or maybe that's not, maybe it's not an interview. Maybe it's just something I read where it talks about how um, the story, a lot of the stories in this collection are sort of about these people who are aspiring towards something that is actually like kind of unattainable or that they're just like kind of boobs and are, are not really qualified in the first place for, some, for such an occupation. Totally. Um, like the, the guy in the story Malibu, is, isn't he described as having like, really bad acne mm -hmm. <laughs> just, um, and it's just kind of ridiculous yeah the the uh, I'm just reading I just like turn to a page in Malibu and the first thing I read is like sometimes I stuck my finger down my throat plus I was always picking at my pimples I covered the marks they made with girls liquid foundation which I stole from the Walgreens the, the shade I used was called classic tan I guess those were my only secrets. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was talking about how in Eileen, like the main character, 
has a lot of qualities that are really grotesque and that that especially with a female character was what so many people were focusing on after that book and that it was beside the point or like it it was just the character but then in my year of rest and relaxation it's like this beautiful wealthy woman but yeah she looks like amber valetta Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like other fashion models Mm -hmm. even when she's like a mess at the bodega but um, yeah yeah (laughs) a mess at the bodega (laughs) i i love the thing i love the whole um one of the things I really love about my year of rest and relaxation is just the um, the characters, the narrator who is unnamed, um, her odd obsessions. Like uh, she frequently watches um, Whoopi Goldberg movies. She has this huge obsession with Whoopi Goldberg. Um, Otessa Moshvig actually interviewed Whoopi Goldberg. Did you read that? Oh, like, I haven't Vice read the interview. interview. Did you read it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really... I actually I don't remember it that well, but yeah, I've read it. <laughs> I should have reread it for the pod, but I could open it now and see if there's anything good in there. But yeah, the character is obsessed with Whoopi Goldberg and like Harrison Ford. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She has this friend called Riva who's um just a kind of like this really annoying character who um is desperate for the narrator's affection and attention but is also um kind of jealous of her beauty and wealth (laughs) and um well it's like her effortless beauty really um there's this really funny line that i don't know if i'll be able to find right now in that book um where she's like um hold on let me see if i can find it um, right and reva just kind of wants to be her friend because of the proximity to right whatever she is but yeah also <laughs> is kind of like really plain <laughs> um Wait, I think I found it. Also, the the beginning of the of that novel is really, really funny. I think it's becomes highly addictive, um, very fast. Totally, kind of goes with its content. I also like with what you were saying about sleep and depression. I was just like amazed by, I always wonder how to write characters who are sleeping all the time. And I know that you've done that, but (laughs) it definitely like mimics a depressive dream state at a certain point. Oh yeah. When she like ends up um, like bribing this character, Ping Shi, who's an artist who's kind of like a, what would it be, like a 
the who who were like the big artists in the early two thousands, like Damien Hirsch or is that his name? Damien. Yeah, I think so. About? I know who you're talking about. I yeah, Damien Hirst. Yeah. The um the shark guy, the um the shark and formaldehyde guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found the um this line about when the narrator is commenting on Riva. It says, um, ironically, her desire to be classy had always been the de classe thorn in her side. Studied grace is not grace, I once tried to explain. Charm is not a hairstyle. You either have it or you don't. The more you try to be fashionable, the tackier you'll look. Nothing hurt Riva more than effortless beauty like mine. When we'd watched before sunrise on video one day, she'd said, did you know Julie Delpy's a feminist? I wonder if that's why she's not skinnier. No way they'd cast her in this role if she were American. See how soft her arms are? Nobody here tolerates arm flab. Arm flab is a killer. It's like the SATs. You don't even exist if you're below 1400. <laughs> she's so mean to Reva. It's wild. The narrator? Yeah. But she doesn't want Riva around. She's also like, I don't know. I think it's so funny how the, she vacillates between like hating her and also, or not even hating her, but just being like kind of annoyed and reviled by her. Mm-hmm. And also <laughs> just like being like actually feeling compassionate for her in mm-hmm. her own way. Like she, um, she talks about how like she loves Riva, but she doesn't like her. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm yeah. sure is like she's kind of like our life made or our friendship made sense in college but afterwards it just like it was not something that really computed anymore it's a real thing <laughs> when did you first become aware of Otessa Moshbeg? Um, I first became aware with, of her with the short story collection because I was like kind of taken by that cover the spaceship cover um so i i read some of the stories i also knew that she like won some big prizes and like eileen was nominated for the booker prize um and shortlisted i think but um yeah i immediately read my year of actually i didn't listen i didn't read i listened to my year of rest and relaxation on audiobook um and then i like kind of breeze through the rest of the collection, the stories I hadn't read, and I and then I reread it. Um and then I like read Eileen and McGlue. I've like I think I've read everything she's published at this point. What um, did you think of the new book? book? There was a LA uh, review that really hated it, but I I didn't like the review. What did they say about it? Um just that her longer works never mimic the, or like never achieve the same quality as her shorter works. And they're never like in as close focus and the characters aren't as strong. And I don't know, it was kind of equating its content to my year of rest and relaxation and Eileen. And uh-huh. I felt like it was kind of a dismissive review. Yeah. No, I liked it. I mean, I um, there are some really moving passages in it, especially towards the end. Um, I mean, the premise is this um, 
this older woman named Vesta Ghoul, whose husband has recently died, um, moves to a old Girl Scout camp cabin um, in the woods. And she is, lives there with her dog. And within the first page, um, or like the first lines of their book are her finding this note that says, um, her name was Magda. Nobody will ever know who killed her. It wasn't me. Here is her dead body. Um, so it's sort of this woman becoming fixated on the meaning and the meaning of the no and also trying to use all her wits to solve this murder, um, which kind of leads her to also manifest um, the characters that she's imagined. Um, in real life as she's kind of um, hunting for for clues. Um, but it's also like uncover, throughout the novel, you just sort of uncover, um, I mean, she slowly reveals the, the kind of um, relationship with her husband, which at first seems, seemed to have been like a sweet healthy relationship or maybe not healthy but just like a sweet and, and loving relationship and it turns out you that he was actually really horrible to her um in many ways and um i don't know the whole novel like one of the things that i actually really liked about it is that not really that much happens like a lot of it is um occurs stuff does happen but a lot of stuff does also occur in the narrator's mind um i like that yeah me too especially in the kind of like apparent shell of a murder mystery mm -hmm. i think it's cool for like not a lot to actually yeah transpire yeah there's a passage i really like that i was going to read um i need to find a i'm having a hard time finding all my passages all the passages of things i wanted to read um i don't know but the other thing is um i mean besides like the um just my general love of grotesquerie and also obsessiveness like i often write about characters that are kind of um that are very i try to write characters whose voices are very loud or not even loud but just like self-aware and um smart and um kind of rude or cutting um and hyper aware of the world around them um which i think is something she tends to do really well um definitely yeah in fact, she talks about her writing process as something um, as something almost like approaching the mystical where she is just uh, she says her job is to shove all the content of her own mind and her own self to the very like edges of her of her thoughts and um, and to make space for the work itself to fill her mind and to just act as a conduit for 
um, the voice, like uh, the uh, the voice that she's writing. I mean, she, whenever you read her writing, it's or whenever you read her or listen to her talking about her writing, she's very insistent upon um, not only being like like a a medium or a, a channel for something greater, but also just being just herself knowing that she is great or her own her self-awareness of her um of her talent and her her gift which i don't know i i personally struggle with that as someone with lifelong deeply stratified insecurity and um self-doubt but Tessa's attitude is aspirational it is I find it like really motivating and like yeah I like the way that she talks about being a medium and also kind of how upfront she is about the amount of work that goes into it I feel like her kind of work ethic is really demystifying to me because she just spent so many years like writing a thousand words a day and it's kind of as simple as that like it's not that um it's yeah it's just like you have to you have to write to get better at writing right Um, and I feel like yeah her her devotion is really instructive and really um just like really motivating yeah she's not waiting for inspiration she's just like this is this is what has to happen yeah um i was also thinking about fuck i keep losing my train of thought um (laughs) i'm so i was thinking i was thinking about um do you know that have you read her essay in The Guardian and that was also published in Granta that was about um, how when she was a teenager, she kind of forced herself into the apprenticeship of like this older male writer who was very established and like very successful. Um, I have my suspicions of who the writer might be, but I like will never really know. But she talks about how um, she would like send him writing and go to his house and he would basically like come on to her when when she was 19. He would like, he would do things like show her pictures of all the women he's slept with um, and be like, look at this catch. (laughs) Um, And uh, I think in in their last meeting, like very aggressively came on to her to the point where she like, I think she, um, I think she says she writes that she like kissed him um, and describes his lips as like dead or like basically dead, cold, thin lips. <laughs> Flash. Oh. But she's also like, what I really appreciated about it too is like she doesn't make it this sort of um, simplified like victim of like a predator's moves or game, but she is playing the game. She talks about herself as, she writes about herself even as a teenager, as like a player 
mm-hmm. a knowing player um, and and very calculating, which I think is sort of um, turns that narrative on its head, the narrative of um, predatory older figure with like a nubile younger um, woman. Right. It's um, like complicates the question of control and power in those dynamics, um, which are always I mean, there. And, yeah. And I think in a time where we have like, where people are really interested in a simplified understanding of like justice, meaning like social justice, and we want to see nar- like narratives where like people ask for narratives where like justice is is in question by way of like characters who are victims or characters who are victimized and um, their and their like brokenness because of larger systems or because of interpersonal relationships um, having to deal with like race and class and and sexuality and, and other issues. Yeah. Um, but uh, Otessa in comparison just like completely complicates those narratives and um and just isn't interested in the same way i'm like i'm personally uninterested in in writing a sort of of that sort of um reductive uh or like morally binary yeah morally binary novel yeah or story or work in general right it's like messier than that it's uglier than that I think there's nothing more interesting than the flawed character. Um, it's not like, I love the way that her characters aren't ashamed to share the darkest and most like evil and impure um, realms of their thoughts. Um, yeah, and of their They're desires. constantly judging, yeah, and their desires. They're constantly judging, but they're also constantly yearning. And the thing that they yearn for um whether it's like freedom or like an obsessive thing is like something that's not really actually good for them (laughs) yeah absolutely and it never is rarely yeah what were you you were saying earlier that she's sober now Mm -hmm. i didn't Um, know well she's been sober for like 16 years apparently damn that's amazing Um, and she write, and she also talks about that as something that's like been helpful for her, or that as something that not necessarily helpful, but it's a, a lifestyle change that um, she did to prove to herself her own seriousness about her writing um, and quitting drinking as a way of just eliminating a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about a period of her life where she had eliminated all things that were not conducive to her life mission being like creating and making art, um, which included like socializing alcoholism and food, mm-hmm. um, or not alcoholism, like but sex. just like alcohol consumption and sex. Yeah. yeah. Right. And for, um, yeah, I imagine like when also struggling with eating disorder and control, it's kind of like there's a fine line with, that type of thing where eliminating Mm -hmm. everything like sometimes what you're left with is like 
unsustainable but right right I mean I'm not going to glorify I would never glorify an eating disorder but I having personal experience and like I'm pretty open about um having dealt with eating disorders in the past I mean I still think um I think I'll always have an eating disorder it's just something I just now have to make the day-to-day conscious choice to eat um but yeah I mean the I was highly productive as someone with an eating disorder and highly like creative um and I think it did have to do with control because I felt at the time like there were so many things that out that were out of my control um and the things that were in my control were like the volume of production mm-hmm. um which is like a very capitalist sort of like way to put to think about it but like but i was personally really invested in in college and you know being like being prolific and doing top quality work so I don't know I mean I probably could have done the same thing and like eaten normally but um right yeah but I, was, I also like felt sick at the time so I think um another dimension of it was uh, was um the the amount of weight I lost and the way my body looked um was a sort of um, exteriorization of what was happening in my interior if that makes sense definitely yeah I I connected a lot with like the way that she talks about um writing as like a form of control that's like workable um yeah and like had uh eating stuff in high school and just like at the time really didn't understand it as a form of control until after and then like but also was like really good at it and I think like Mm -hmm. putting that elsewhere like I don't think that mentality ever goes away for people so it's more about like giving it a giving it a job that isn't like making your like compromising your body or making your body go away but yeah yeah I mean I don't know to I mean I don't know if I want to linger on this subject but I feel like when I started being more aware of the fact that I was struggling or not aware, but when I confronted the reality of like, you're like anorexic and you, everyone around you knows and everyone around you is talking about it. um, And like, this isn't actually sustainable. I I think like the enjoyment of, um, of food and my own body also, it translated weirdly into like my creative, output so that I began to become more aware of the way that we write about bodies and our characters as um our characters as bodies and I don't know I like constantly think about the things that my characters eat or don't eat 
um, or um, their relationships to um, their uh, bodily functions, like shitting and pissing and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or like even um, like acne and um, and other people's bodies and um, in relation to theirs. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really know where where I'm going with this, but. Um, But yeah, um, anyway, anyway, we <laughs> love Otessa. We want everyone else to love her also. It's yeah. kind of hard not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's. Unless you're just a square. Yeah. And easily offended. Exactly. Yeah. Which, like, I don't actually think she writes to offend people. I don't think the stories, or I don't think her work is meant to be offensive to people. I just think people, like, can't handle uh, com- the complexities of, like, of the human psyche or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I think she's, people like, definitely one of those people... Yeah, I think she's definitely like on a mission though, on a crusade against political correctness, or at least like the, the like the two thousand tens hyper, um, like helicoptering over like language and um, and uh, behavior when it came to what was so called politically correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's true and I feel like it's the case again right now and she doesn't like participate at all she's not on social media at all but and I think she's said that like she could easily get cancelled but I also don't think that like what she's making is I don't know. She's making fiction, but like she's not making statements that are like, no. in the first person of Otessa Mushbag. Right. Right. I mean, like, I actually, yeah, I don't really know much about her political opinions or otherwise. Um, which, like, I don't really think I would want anyone to really know about mine. If I were that public of a figure, like, I mean, sure, I guess, like, I would want to, like, stand up and support for different movements and be vocal and, like, I don't know, use my platform depending on the way that I was using it. Luckily, I'm not there because I, like, don't want that kind of pressure um, because not one single person can change anything that drastically, but... um, Yeah, but I think, like, her stories are, like, they, they say a lot more than, like, her tweeting something political. Um, Like, the narratives that she focuses on, like, if they're read, they leave me with, like, a lot of 
a lot of things to think about and a lot of feelings and it's kind of like trying to like reduce them to her political values would mm -hmm. be a bit reductive yeah but anyway I, mean, I think where her strengths lie is like thinking about things on um on a more cosmic level yeah like there are some moments of just like such um like ruminative moments of utter clarity and utter um just sort of epiphanies about not the human condition but and ask maybe like a small sliver dimension of whatever constitutes the so-called human experience yeah yeah they're like existential yeah um but of course highly recommend otessa we love her if she ever listens to this hopefully she isn't embarrassed about our fangirling <laughs> and hopefully we haven't misrepresented anything that she said or written <laughs> how are you doing today what's up um i'm good i um i went grocery shopping i woke up on the earlier oops my thing my screen went out um i went grocery shopping earlier and um I reread that Lori Moore essay or her diatribe against millennials and normal people by Sally Rooney. <laughs> she, yeah, there was this um, there's a review. What what was it in? Was it in the New York Times or the? New I think York it's a, I think it's a New York review of books. Yeah, um, about like the book and the show, normal people. Um, and if you've listened to our first episode, we talk all about the book and the show, but Lori Moore went off. She does, she does not. She has lots of thoughts on the millennials. She has lots of <laughs> thoughts on millennials and thinks that millennials are like so critical of boomers, but are really replicating a lot of the same behaviors mm -hmm. and uh, have too many tattoos. I yeah, agree she with says a lot of her. Yeah, critique. totally. I mean, millennials are brats. Such like, brats, and they have no attention span. She says, um, due partly to smartphones, millennials are essentially suburban, no matter where they have actually grown up. They have no authentic counterculture. <laughs> it's not their use of social media, a version of the old fashioned Christmas card letter, and thus secret self harm such as cutting and heard of among boomer youth has rushed in to fill the vacuum. Parasuicidality has sidled up. For the more aesthetically minded millennial, there is wondrous tattooing that bespeaks an impressive lack of worry that life might be long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Lori. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in here. I don't know if I completely agree with it, but um, I think definitely... she she makes some good points about um, about normal people and like 
I think I think one of her basic things is like what the book is lacking in the TV show makes up for. Like it does seem like she enjoyed the TV show more than the book. Um, yeah, and I, and she says it's like due. I think she says it's due to like the the like over sparseness of of um, Sally Rooney's prose. Um, and the way that she handles um, characters in terms of like the in terms of gestures and um, and body language and stuff like that the absence sometimes of um, those critical markers, mm-hmm. which um, she talks about how the actors like give life to those dimensions that are ignored in the writing yeah Um, but then she also has the like uh critique of how the show adds more racial diversity right than is included in the book and does so in a way that just is kind of like a bit opportunistic and right i actually think and she made a really interesting point of like they could have um diversified by making one of the lead characters or either Connell or Marianne um, like a different race which I think would have actually really worked well for the for the story right and then they would have had to actually like address that content directly and like on an emotional level mm-hmm. but yeah I think you could change good. entire I think you could change entire things about the story but yeah yeah but but i mean i thought it was really weird that they changed the lucas character definitely that was so like you literally choose like the most basic and also like low-key abusive character into like a black man even though he's described in the novel as being like incredibly white (laughs) yeah yeah, that was like, like, that about? <laughs> a really weird move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you asked how I was doing. I'm I wrote a bunch yesterday. I'm gonna try to write more after this. Um I took a nap in the afternoon. I'm on a hunt for house plants and I'm struggling to find them. I'm looking for plants that don't require much light because my my room is an attic and just doesn't <laughs> my windows are pretty tiny so um but like plants are so expensive it turns out it's insane it's criminal i don't I really don't think you should pay for something you should pay that much for something natural like something that, that just grows, grows. Like what doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, an established plant is so expensive. You should look on Craigslist, see if anybody's getting rid of plants. Oh, that's a good point. I haven't tried Craigslist yet. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing weird. I I wrote a lot today, and usually that makes me feel really good. Um, but I don't know. I've been feeling kind of down for a few days and I've been having these like really active, intense dreams and then mm-hmm. just waking up in like a weird state and not being able to shake it all day. Yeah. yeah. It's the new moon. 
but yeah, I feel off. I don't know what's up. And I'm sorry if this whole episode, I sound like a sad fool. I don't think you sound like a sad fool. Thank you. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I probably sound low energy today too, but. I feel it. I feel low energy. It. People can deal with it. Hopefully it's soothing. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I think what I'm I think I'm really stressed about all these like logistical things that I have to do about the semester starting and I just feel like I truly don't have the tools to do them. Right. Um and I also um yeah, I think I'm just really used to living alone. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You've been at, at your mom's for a minute now. Yeah. When are you going home? Um, well, I wanted to have, like, be able to quarantine after traveling and then, like, before traveling. So uh -huh. I'm leaving, like, next weekend. Okay. Whoa. Back. And then you're going to be quarantined for two weeks? Yeah. Well, I'll just be like living my normal life alone in my apartment. Yeah. But um yeah. So, yeah. uh yeah, wish me well. I'm just trying to do <laughs> my best. And uh -huh. I'm trying to do my worst. <laughs> I'm trying to be on bad behavior. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Speaking That's of good. um actually not really speaking of, but just just as an aside, um I had a listener DM me and and asked me and said um that they hope I or that they're excited to to hear developments in my relationship with my ex. Um <laughs> so I just wanted to address <laughs> um and not to call out this person, I actually think, I thought it was really funny and I like, I, I enjoy getting to, please slide into my DMs and like talk to me. Um, Same, it makes always. me happy. How, but I just wanted to say, um, yeah, there's no development because it's over. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, uh, when I, whenever I'm talking, I'm like, <laughs> A lot of it, a lot of my thoughts exist within the realm of um, fan fantasy and uh, projection and um, denial. <laughs> denial, my inability to let go um, and and to just be like to have a, a, a backbone and be like I can't talk about this anymore. Um, I feel like last episode was me trying to purge all of that and put it out and put it out in the public so that I didn't, I could clear space in my mind for it, um, which to a certain extent is kind of what ended up happening. Um, I'm currently dealing with like the reality that because we're no longer together, I have no actual control over I mean and not that I ever did like you never really have control in a relationship um and if you think you do then you need to like recalibrate your conception of like 
what a healthy partnership between two or more individuals can look like. But um, but I have to relinquish my the fact that I have no control <laughs> and just be like, uh, yeah, I gotta let him move on. I gotta move on. <laughs> I can't like live this way forever. Um, so real. And it's like, I think the other thing that I realized is that um, I use him, I use that relationship as something to like fixate on or, or obsess over. And those are strong words for what I, how I feel about the relationship because I actually don't obsess about it that much. Um, but I think I use that as a way to also like diffuse the amount of energy I sometimes put into like thinking about crushes or other people. Like, I just don't feel like, um, I think even in a relationship, it's like, I, I do a better job of handling or controlling my, my emotions about that person. But I think like, when it comes to crush territory, I just don't think it's fair for one person to receive all like the psychological energy that goes into me having a crush on that person completely so you're like i need to i need to diffuse that energy yeah (laughs) that sounds really that sounds really good it's i I don't know if it's healthy but (laughs) i also don't know if it's working (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but that'll be my my up my new what people should really be wondering is like when the fuck i'll finally move on developments in my in my um moving forward with my life (laughs) are you the kind of person who talks about your ex on your first date with somebody uh i don't know because i haven't been on a first date yeah i guess there's no dates at the moment the person and like the person the main object not object but like the subject of my crushing energy like knows all about it because we've processed a lot of stuff (laughs) to do with our previous relationships yeah um and also we haven't really been on a first date yet so (laughs) so all that will be out of the way but yeah (laughs) by the time or if that ever happens but how about you? Do you talk about your exes? You probably won't, don't, right? Talk about my exes? No. Well, I feel like there's, like, people in my life who are exes and then people who I'm, like, ambiguously always dating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where we never break up, but we were also never together. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I've been thinking about my ex a lot, who I was dating like my first semester in grad school or like in the program Mm. in the MFA and I um to be clear it wasn't someone in your MFA program it was someone who you were with before yeah and then we were in a long distance relationship um same (laughs) yeah and then we and then I and then I broke up with them, and then we got back together, and then I broke up with them again. 
<laughs> messy, mess, mess. And then uh, <laughs> we didn't talk for a long time. And I just like, I just like, I think I'm at the point where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how little we know about each other's lives right now on like a daily level and right right now there's like nobody maybe like other than you who I like talk to on a daily basis and like yeah noticing how sometimes like like strange to yourself you can become when you don't have somebody who you know in that way who you just like give an update to right most days. yeah and I think I've just been I like, think there's like, something so important about that it's totally yeah and I think like I think it was hard like over distance because it was it was almost like there was so much and we were both living yeah. in new places which I think was the same yeah. for you but I was just like yeah. wow like I wonder how I wonder how they're doing and I also like miss being known in that way but I also think that like especially with COVID and everything, I'm really grateful that we weren't long distance having to navigate all that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like for us both, it was like really the best thing, but I think I also like, there was a lot of stability in that relationship and like, it really helped me transition to Providence and it was really, really, uh, it was just like so grounding. And so yeah. I think like, maybe lately I haven't been feeling super grounded and I'm trying to figure out how to like access that within myself but I think the last time I felt that way was with them maybe yeah but I also don't think that I need a relationship to feel that way because I've also felt grounded without a relationship um right but I don't know uh, I'm finally starting to feel grounded I have felt so That's ungrounded. So I think incredible. I'm I think so I had the opposite thing. <laughs> I had the opposite <laughs> situation where like actually being long distance. I think because my because my boyfriend and I were so far away from each other, mm-hmm. uh, I felt complete and and also doing open relationship, it was so discombobulating for me. I did not feel grounded like once all I I felt good the first month. And then school started and things started kind of getting wacky. And I just felt so not myself. I felt like, like traveling, like I was driving a lot because I could drive to Philly. I was driving a lot and I was like also trying to get grounded in Providence. And I, I felt totally topsy turvy, like really spread thin, but I think they were just a really grounding person. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, and we were open and then that didn't feel grounding. No. I'm not. I, I'm not open. I'm not going ju- to judge other people for that, but yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, people can judge me for it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived through it. I yeah. know what I can take and what I can't take. Um, but yeah, things are, I don't know, finding our footing. I feel like at, by this age, I should have like figured some stuff out, but I just like, keep, I keep realizing that I am really don't know that much. 
no. about anything about myself about other people and relationships yeah a lot of this podcast is just us trying to figure out what's what <laughs> truly and not be wishy-washy about it yeah I know to like make a a direct statement for once I yeah. mean Otessa does that we can too yeah exactly and with that we hope you. every we hope but we wish everyone a grounding new moon in yes. cancer yeah clear get get an oil change for your heart <laughs> <laughs> where do i get my oil change <laughs> oh my gosh in my in my dream last night i had to shit at some point but I didn't I needed to just, like in the dream or in real life in the dream and I had to like <laughs> bag up my excrement and then I was like carrying it around with me the rest of the dream and I was like that Jesus. is the new moon stuff <laughs> that's so insane <laughs> so there you why go. couldn't you just leave it somewhere um because you, I was sanitary like, reasons? I was like in somebody else's house I don't know why oh. toilet but and then I like hit it in a drawer and then later in the dream I oh my god in a folder that I had and I like <laughs> it, I was like in a classroom setting I was just like whoa <laughs> that's like a next level dream <laughs> I guess I yeah I haven't been remembering my dreams I'm gonna try no were they recent ones were they like old old? ones old ones and yeah at some point in the dream I went to a bar at like 9 a.m and I was with an ex and one of my friends and they had taken me to the bar they like made me go and so I got a beer and it tasted so bitter and I really didn't want to be drinking it. And then they shamed me for getting a beer at 9am. And I was like, guys, I don't even know why you took me to this bar. I don't even want to be here. And they're like, we're getting half pours. <laughs> and they were like, why did you get a whole beer? And I was like, I followed you. I don't know. Help me. <laughs> That's so strange. Help me remember. You never like, do you spend the entire day thinking about those people when you dream about them? Yeah. And then it's weird. But you don't act on it ever, right? Like it's the worst idea to act on a dream. To be like, I had a dream about you. Sometimes yeah. I like it when people do that to me though. But sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, what can you do? Um, God, I, mean, I, I really can't. I really dreaming about exes is is not fun. It's not. It's not. Anyway. Um, anyway. Our second attempt to sign off. Yeah. We I love feel, everyone. We love everyone. <laughs> I feel better after talking to you all. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. And a thank you to Nat Harvey, who made our wonderful theme music. And Sue Han, the artist behind our content art.